today's show, we will have Allison Conamac in the studio with us. She's going to be talking about mercy and forgiveness for this Divine Mercy Sunday. It's a really, really great uh, conversation. Um, I hope you'll stick around for it. First, we have, he looked, Dr. Chris Bergwald looked at me like, what? <laughs> we have some biblical advice with that. I was just waiting He's for waiting. you to finish. He's waiting, but he looked very excited about being able to speak. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> woo. Never happened. <laughs> You're right. I'm always <laughs> waiting for the introduction. <laughs> Poor thing. Uh, what's today? Ready? Well, it's Divine Mercy okay, Sunday. I was, I was like, you just said it, so Which I Which is hope. the second Sunday of Easter. Also, excellent. Yes. Well Because it is both, right? It, it is both. Yes. It is both. Um, so, of course- in the Easter season, the first reading always comes from Elise. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't. Uh, no. The first reading in the Easter season always comes from the Easter season. Yes, you I did. You just did. Weren't you just weren't listening. <laughs> okay. I understand. Acts. Acts the Apostles. Oh, she should know. You, I, <laughs> <laughs> no more excuses. Happy Easter, Elise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the first reading at Mass, uh, Sunday Mass. Oh, did you do something wrong? No, I'm oh. curious. I'm just flipping through my Magnificat. Oh, well, there was dead air there. There so. was dead air. I yes. know there was. Um, I'm wondering <laughs> if that's true for every. Weekday Mass, too. I don't. Oh, if it's Acts? Hmm. It would kind of make sense just because you're going through the whole between the resurrection and ascension. Yeah. So and just the, the three or four that I've checked here in April, they're all from sure. Acts. Sunday for sure. Um, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. That's prob- sure. <laughs> and I, <laughs> two minutes later, um, I love this Sunday's reading from Acts, though. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to the communal life, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Awe came, across, awe came upon everyone, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So it goes on from there, and if we get there, great. But just those couple of opening sentences. This is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 40, uh, verse 42 and 43. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to the communal life, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So this is um, right after, this is after, shortly after Pentecost. Okay. So the first wave of, massive wave of thousands of Jews um, convert, for lack of a better word, um, accept Jesus as the Messiah sure. and embrace his teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I do that, by the way, just real quick, um, Jews who go from practicing Judaism to practicing Catholicism or any form of Christianity, but I know especially those who become Catholic Jews, uh, really challenge the idea that they're converts. I, I would totally agree with that. Why I do you think, say that? I think they're actually just following the yes. progression that their faith was and that's takes. that's exactly what they yeah. would say. So yeah. that's why that's why I was you know so as the, these Jews um, became Christians, right? They so the thousands of them have done so now this is. The, those couple of verses, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. So what Jesus revealed about 
himself as the Messiah and, in fact, as God, as that as the fullness of the plan that God has been at working for all of history, but especially in those last couple thousand years since Abram came on the scene and so mm-hmm. on. So, so these these new Christians they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Do you and I do that? Are we devoted? Probably not as much as we should. Right, right. <laughs> Even more, the second one, to the communal life. Oh, definitely. Do we, when we talk about what our communities are, for most of us, our our parish is probably not, or soon to be our pastor in our diocese, it's probably not at the top of the list. Our community is barely at the top of our list. Right, communities, period, <laughs> let alone right, church community. Right, Exactly. But these at first Christians, the early Christians, they devoted themselves to the communal life. To the breaking of bread, that's the life of the sacraments. Mm-hmm. They're devoted to participating in the sacramental life of the church and to their prayers. Mm-hmm. So these this this fourfold delineation it has become sort of a traditional way to talk about what it means to be a disciple. Right. It maps to the four parts of the catechism, for example. Oh. The teaching of the apostles, the first part on the creed. Mm-hmm. Um, the breaking of bread to the second part on the liturgy and the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, communal life, living life together, mm-hmm. our moral life. Uh, and then finally, prayer. Right. The fourth part is right. prayer. Yeah. Then the second sentence, awe came upon everyone and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Am I at awe because of my Catholic faith? Are other people, even more pointedly, are other people at awe, in awe because of my Catholic faith? <laughs> well, some of them are. But <laughs> my, not, mom, my mom speaks glowingly oh, of you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway... <laughs> We're called, we should be shining and burning bright right. as missionary disciples. Of Jesus should be set ablaze. Right. right. Yes. And even more pointedly, <laughs> this, this is the question for, for Bishop DeGroote. Signs were done through the apostles, Bishop. You are a successor of the apostles, Bishop. So, but miracles, signs and wonders, mm-hmm. um, they do happen in our church today. Are we aware of them as much? Maybe not, but the Lord still works. Yeah, we could do a little. Thanks, Dr. You bet. In studio with me today, I have Allison Conamac. She is the uh, Safe Environment Coordinator for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Welcome, Allison. Hi, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. I yes, it. yes, we love having you here. She is going to talk about two things today: mercy and forgiveness, which might seem like the same thing, and maybe they are. I don't know yet. <laughs> We're going to talk about those um, because we are going to be. You'll hear this perhaps on Divine Mercy Sunday, or you might hear it a little before after but we're we're kind of uh, focusing in on divine mercy sunday and a little bit on how that applies to some of the things around safe environment mostly the mercy and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. that was a long intro so <laughs> so let's get down to business um this month april is child abuse prevention month so will you tell us a little bit about that first and what's happening in the diocese for that yes child abuse prevention month is actually instituted by President Ronald Reagan in the 80s. It's something nationally promoted with advocacy groups, especially those that serve young people. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB, promotes um, all dioceses to use this month to bring awareness to what the Catholic Church is doing to prevent abuse. And so there's a number of things um, going on, but that includes also praying for healing from abuse. And that's the kind of the beautiful aspect that zips in with our, our theme of mercy this weekend and forgiveness mm. and healing, really. Yes. Because forgiveness and mercy are all about healing harms. 
Um, so Child Abuse Prevention Month, again, we're going to have some events going on. Okay. There'll be a Mass for Healing, the Vigil Mass at the Cathedral, the one that's televised on Sunday in Kelloland. Is it televised Kelloland? on Saturday? Yes, yes, it is televised Sunday morning. Yes, but live streamed on our web, our YouTube channel, right? Yes. For the diocese mm -hmm. at the four o'clock hour. So folks are most welcome to participate either in person or virtually live through the YouTube channel or with Kelloland. And that's this Saturday, right? That so is, that is the fifteenth. I believe that's the fifteenth. Right? Yeah. Yes. And the mass is at four p.m. at Saint Joseph mm -hmm. Cathedral here mm -hmm. in Sioux Falls. So the bishop will be um, praying uh, for all those uh, for healing for survivors from abuse of all sorts, those at the hand of representatives of the church, mm -hmm. but also all people for right. healing and and um, all who have been harmed. So that's what's going on. We have posted already on YouTube is a rosary that Bishop oh, okay. leads for healing okay. from abuse. It's beautiful. So it's the sorrowful mysteries and there's meditations before each decade of the rosary. Mm -hmm particular to requesting healing kind of through some of Jesus's passion, which we're going to kind of hear how Christ is suffering. Those wounds have to do with mercy right? and how, how there's such a tender sign of God's closeness with us and our, our suffering and his mercy. Right. And so that rosary is already posted mm -hmm. and available. There's links on the sfcatholic.org website on the safe environment page to both that video for the mm -hmm. rosary, as well as a handout for folks to pray it at home. And I believe on the website, um, the Safe Environment tab is underneath the Office of the Bishop. That's exactly right. If I right. remember right, yeah. So well yeah. done. I do run the, run the website, so I probably should know that. But no, but just it's hard to remember where they are. So it, if you go yeah. to the Office of the Bishop tab, uh, you'll see in the drop down there the Safe Environment page. Excellent, exactly. Yeah. But n interestingly enough, like the USCCB, that United States Conference of Bishops, they have a mass that they'll live stream, prayers that they'll live stream. Mm -hmm. So. Sometimes their Facebook page is really helpful. If you have other dioceses that maybe you've lived in before or whatnot, other dioceses will be doing events as well if you have more interest. So there's a lot um, happening. There'll be some social media posting on our threads yes. that folks can share or, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear from folks and, and comments and let us know just, you know, um, what what they find helpful yeah. in this month for us to remember the work that the church does to right. keep safe environments in our parishes yes. and schools and our yes. ministries. Yeah, I like so much that that we focus not only on keeping people safe, but also the healing part, because that's just super important. I mean, without healing, you really can't move forward sometimes. Absolutely. And a, a neat aspect of, if this is okay, if I can yeah, go into this. go right neat, ahead. A neat aspect of safe environments. So when we're talking about mercy, a lot of my job is very logistical and administrative and my local coordinators will probably be laughing out loud right now and saying yeah Allison the audits and compliance <laughs> and you know snooze snooze and no one's favorite task and we talk about in the bishop's bulletin article mm -hmm. which was another thing this April there's a bishop's bulletin article yeah it's one more thing it's laborious but what I've also received in the safe environment office is often calls from individuals who struggle with maybe the content um, and struggle with the content in a sense of it's hard to talk about these sensitive sure. issues with minors. Or maybe the topic is starting to trigger places in our own hearts that are not really reconciled or we don't feel safe going into those places because mm -hmm. there might be some harm. Mm -hmm. So when it's catechists, it's office parish workers, it's, I, I mean, I, I recently had a, a catechetical leader at a diocese uh, or at a parish rather call me and say, this is an instance happening in the private life of one of our parishioners, adults, not even minors. Right. So we'll talk through a little bit. As areas of vulnerability come up, people sometimes realize new areas for healing. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's also an aspect, you know, it, when hard topics come up, that's kind of 
an opportunity maybe for them to come to the light and come to healing. So, um, yeah, the Safe Environment Office has a little bit. Mercy is kind of present there, and healing, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. comes up with tough topics. Yeah. So this is a good topic for you. So can we start with, like, mm-hmm. what, it seems like everyone should know this, but what does mercy mean, really? The best definition of mercy is one that I heard from Father Scott share. Father Scott Trainer here in our diocese, he said, mercy is God's love poured out on our misery. God's love poured out on our misery. And I like that because at first I was like, oh, it sounds like we're like miserable creatures. No, no, that's not what he's saying. On mm-hmm. our misery, meaning either an area where that word misery is great because it either means an area where we've been hurt and so we're in this place of terrible suffering because right. we've been harmed, mm-hmm. or it could mean I messed up mm-hmm. and hurt someone I love. I wasn't the parent I wanted to be. I wasn't the spouse. I acted out in a way that I feel shame about. Mm-hmm. That's a misery. When we suffer as a result of our own sin that harms us or others, and when we suffer as, as the result of somebody else harming us. A quick uh, default to just in, in interest, we're going to, if we talk a little bit about mercy, I also want to just um, justify the area of justice as well. Yes, if yes. If harm has been done, if someone has been harmed, we encourage you, speak out, reach out to the diocese in any way that you feel safe and, and that you would want to. Or reach out and reach out to local law enforcement if there is imminent harm mm-hmm. to report or harm remembered that's coming up. We just strongly encourage that justice is the desire and needs to be done. So report abuse, report harm that's happened, um, seek um, seek that justice and yeah. seek clarity there. But when, we, when we're going to talk about mercy and forgiveness, we're going to go into what is the subjective person on their own right. kind of before God or with their clinical therapy assistance right. or prayer. How did we come to understand where God yeah. God sits with this too? In our so lives. before we go to that, is there is there an important connection between justice and mercy? I mean, is justice uh, justice maybe is almost necessary for mercy to be? I'm totally this is all Renee. Yeah, right. I now. love it. I <laughs> but love as you it. were saying that, I'm like, yeah. well, maybe is justice necessary for true mercy to be received? Or not necessarily. Justice. You can tell me. I have no idea. And stop asking me questions like that if you want. No, I. This is this is where I geek out, and this is why Renee and I like to talk because we're just like, wow, let's look into this. Um, There's a different. There depends on the dynamic and relationship. So there can never be a justice towards like we can never justly give God back what we harm in His glory and honor and dignity and and our creation as His image and likeness. How we've harmed it through sin. We can never give God back justice. But a reality of, like, let's say someone's harmed me, Allison, um, yeah, justice will be served. We understand human-to-human interactions. Justice will uh, take place, mm-hmm. whether it's um, during life through suffering and the consequences. Whenever I personally sin, I reap consequences right. very personally. And and even if we don't see it in this life, it will then happen in the next if it's not there. God right. will bring justice to the harm that's been done. However, let's say someone harmed me, Allison, in my life. Someone else harmed me. Um, that person doesn't have to come to civil justice or maybe like eternal life. Like I don't have to see God smite them. Oh, sure. As much yeah. as I can want that. And I have. <laughs> oh, have I. Um, in order for me to offer mercy to that person. Sure. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. It does. But what's important in the heart is that true forgiveness, and we can we can get into this, doesn't I don't need to see justice happen to that person in order to forgive them, but also be filled with God's a secure confidence and and healing activity of God in my soul or in my um, their different um, 
yeah, to have God's healing happen in my heart mm-hmm. where I can be free of um, seeking justice yeah. from the person who yeah. hurt me. I think that's an important part of yeah. forgiveness, isn't it? Is that to understand that and we're jumping really all over the place. So I apologize. Stuff. But um, that we don't have to forget about the thing that happened or say that it was okay that it happened. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay that that happened at all. Not at all. And there's a cool section. This is where I geek out. I love the catechism so much. Mm-hmm. That fourth section is on prayer. And in it goes through the Our Father, that whole scary part oh, where it yes. says, forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. Right. That scary part? Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, I really need to forgive <laughs> others to receive God's forgiveness. There is a, a real deep connection there. In that section, I love the sensitivity. It says, um, it talks about the heart of the person, a person's heart, the sanctuary where they have kind of autonomy and um, where true like love and care and, and real um, conscience comes from. Mm-hmm. It says, in the depths of the heart, everything is bound and loosed, but it's not in our power to not feel or to forget an offense. It's not in our power to not feel or forget an offense just by willpower. Healing right. and psychological assistance with clinicians can bring a lot of healing to hard memories. Sure. Um, it's not in our power, and we really don't, we're not supposed to forget an offense. That creates a healthy boundary to keep right. us safe. That's right. very good. But the catechism said it's the heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit that then turns injury into compassion, mm-hmm. and that can purify the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession. So like you said, it's the old adage, forgive and forget, is really more of a puritanical and a little bit of a misunderstanding. It might have worked for some people in a certain generation, but we understand that the human heart, and that's actually not healthy and helpful. We forgive, but we move from the fear of that interaction and the harm to security in the ways that God wants to bring, like this said, to turn injury into compassion Mm -hmm. and purify the memory. So Mm -hmm. how can I have compassion for someone who's never apologized and never restored? Right, right. I can because I'm I'm not fixated on that person's harm that they've done to me and, and scared that something's going to happen again. Right. I'm not fixated there. I can say I know where my security is and I know where control is, and that's in surrender, loving communion and surrender with God mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit in my heart. So I, I just love that because it's so that Catechism of the Catholic Church is 2842, 2843. It just talks about the sanctuary of the heart and, and what God wants to provide and safety yep. so that then we're free from that unhealthy um, fear, obsession, stuckness in a wound. Yeah. But that life can come through. Like Jesus has risen yes. wounds. That's really a beautiful passage. I'd, I'd never heard that one before. So There's so much yep, in the catechism I still discover, <laughs> so and I'm much. like, why have I not? And I <laughs> why am I not reading this every day? <laughs> I, that's why I say I geek out on the catechism. I'm like, did you know? Yeah. But it how can how can somebody have written that? It's not in our power to not feel or to forget an offense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just powerful. That, cause that just is such tenderness to yeah. the heart. Yeah, and it releases you from it releases you from having to try to do that, and enables you to do, to forgive. Yeah, so it does both of those things. Really. Yeah. So, yeah. if you just joined us, we're talking to Allison Conamac about mercy and forgiveness. So let's. I want you to be able to talk a little bit about the readings from mm-hmm. Divine Mercy Sunday because you had a little bit to say about that. I don't know where you want to start. Yeah. So yeah. Well, talking so. about just making reference to the wounds of Jesus, I went down a whole rabbit hole on this one. I was so into it, <laughs> and it, it came to my mind. I mean, yeah. do you? Is there any way that do you know why Jesus's resurrected body has the wounds still? I've. I think I've heard it, but it's been a long time because in in today's gospel, with he talks about it's when he appears to the apostles in one of the times. I'm not sure which one. Yeah. 
and when he breathes the Holy Spirit on him. But yes, he has the wounds. So yeah, please share. Exactly. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's like a gospel account. I was just, I was so moved. It's the gospel account where first Jesus appears in the upper room to the apostles mm-hmm. who are behind locked doors. And it says, for fear of the Jews. So here they are, sheltered in for fear. Again, fixated on the harm that's been done. The apostles have both been just ravaged with scandal and the horror of the crucifixion of their their Lord their whole life. They left everything to follow him. Right. Their whole life was dissolved. They lost, you know, family and future and and they, you know, everything was destroyed in this brutality. So mm-hmm. they've been wounded. So here they are locked in in this fear. They've also betrayed him. Mm-hmm. The person that they were like, I won't, I, I will, like Peter had said, Christ, I will follow you, even die with you. Mm-hmm. Moments later, he didn't. Right. But Peter believed he would. So he... They've, they failed themselves, they scandalized, and they also failed their Lord and their God, whom they saw mm-hmm. as the Messiah. So they've sinned, you can say, and have guilt and those complex feelings. They've also been completely, um, I, I would say, brutalized and wounded through right. this whole experience. So here they are locked in in fear, and Christ comes to them. <laughs> he passes in, and the first thing he says, of course, is, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. There's freedom and forgiveness. But he comes in with his wounds. Right. That's where I got in. You know, someone had asked, um, why does he come in with his wounds? Um, Thomas Aquinas and some of the church fathers have have their reasons, and they explain it. Um, one of the beautiful things, um, there's a beautiful priest in, in another diocese who lays out, um, what was his name? His name is Monsignor. It's here. It's his name is Monsignor Pope. Oh, um, yeah. Do you yeah, know Monsignor Pope? Pope. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah, and yeah. he writes for the National Catholic Register yep. and some others. But he lays out the, um, Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologica lays out these five reasons and he talks about it. But it, it specifically is to wear them as an everlasting trophy of his victory, what it cost him to bring us into healing. Um, but even more profoundly, I'm sorry, I'm looking through my notes. That's okay. This. Give me just a second. He explains one of Thomas's, Thomas's readings, um, reasons are many in their Summa Theologica book three. Q54, I forget what Q is, <laughs> Article 4. So okay. if somebody really wants to geek out and look into that. Yep. Casey will be right on that. <laughs> so it's to show his glory, right, of what he has won for us, to confirm, and so this is Thomas, to confirm the hearts of the disciples as to faith in his resurrection. So if they oh, saw sure. him without his wounds, like Thomas said, I, I mean, that was so natural for mm-hmm. him to say, what is this phantom? Right. You know, I want to see that it's not this resurrected is not just a, a phantom, our delusions, whatnot, right. confirm that it was him, faith in his resurrection. Thomas says, surely that when he pleads for us with the Father, so when Christ pleads that he may show the manner of death he endured for us. Oh, wow. So it's for Christ with the Father to say, look, look at what, you know, this is what I've redeemed or, mm-hmm. or promised for them. And I'm sure Thomas unpacks that. That feels a little bit d- profound for me. Sure. A little more too profound. And then he says that he may convince those redeemed in his blood how mercifully they have been helped as he exposes them to the traces of um, the same. And lastly, it's actually to bring justice to those mm. who, have, who have sinned. And mm-hmm. it says that on judgment day, he might upbraid them with their just condemnation. So yeah. just talking back to that essence of justice, his wounds are there too to remember any harm that we do to one another through our own failings. It really does bring great harm right? You know, to kind of convict. But Monsignor Pope unpacks it, and I loved this line. He says, Christ's wounds are a dignity and not a deformity, a sign of love and not of loss. So for Thomas, it brought him back, the Jesus who he betrayed, who was destroyed. It, it showed instead a place of, 
of where we would see destruction and, and shame. It's, it's that promise of that proto-evangelium of, of when the fall happened in Genesis, the promise that even our wounds can't keep us from the wholeness God desires, mm-hmm. that no one else has harm against us or our wounds aren't a place to just get over or get behind, but our Lord wants to transfigure them and he wants to allow them to show forth his love. Right. That our perfection being perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect isn't get over and away from all, right. all your wounds and all your harms and your littleness, but rather let him show through it, mm-hmm. you know? And we have so many, I'm sorry, I'm, I love to monologue in this title, but like, totally fine. we love hearing Sister Miriam and her difficult yes. history. We love Father Gately and his, uh, not Father Gately, Father, um, who's the other one who does, uh, there's a, a few different speakers, but they have this wonderful conversion story from the life of um, Calloway. Father oh, Donald yeah, Calloway yeah. has a story of being a difficult young young adult. Mm-hmm. And we love to hear that. And that kind of gives testimony to who they are yeah. working through them. Um, so there's a way that those wounds that we have shine and show forth God's glory yeah. and his closeness. Yeah. So really, we only have a couple minutes left. Uh, mercy and forgiveness really are tied very closely to your work in Safe Environment. They are. Yeah. They are. Um, mercy in the care that it takes and the intentionality to help bring to justice the harm that has been done. Mm-hmm. That's a mercy for those who have been harmed right? and an icon to remind those who maybe haven't come forward or those that we're protecting. There will be a reckoning and we will do everything we can to bring, bring to justice, um, to allow, you know, to really help or assist with the healing of those mm-hmm. who have been harmed, but also mercy in, in a mercy towards ourselves, sometimes forgiveness towards ourselves, yes. mercy towards allowing God's mercy in and forgiving ourselves of mm-hmm. our own our own failures. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I've heard parents who say, you know, I wish I would have healed from these things before I was raising my kids. Now that I'm older, I wish, you know, what more can I do for this child who's disclosed abuse at home or by Mm -hmm. a coach or trust God's mercy and receive it in your own heart Mm -hmm. and, and do the reporting. Absolutely. Do the activities that we can do to help, but there's a way of, um, coming back into safety in the Lord yeah. versus feeling disrupted and, and, and unsafe or um, like justice isn't happening. So, right. Yeah, mercy, forgiveness is, is such a deep part of the, what we extend to ourselves as well as others when we choose to forgive. And hopefully, um, I know this year I didn't, I kind of um, let the Divine Mercy Chaplet slip by me. And my mom mentioned it to me on Easter Sunday and I was like, oh, I forgot to start that on Friday. But I'm sure there are a lot of people who did that. Yeah. It's not on Divine Mercy Sunday. They'll, um, I'm sure, go to a special mass and so on. And, and Absolutely. There should those, be celebrations. There are beautiful graces that come mm-hmm. from Divine Mercy Sunday. They were talking about them on RPR the other morning. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's just so deep and profound. Absolutely. That Absolutely. people should uh, look into it a little bit more for next year. Even is, um, I mean, you can seek out mercy anytime. Yeah. Divine Mercy even. It doesn't have to be on Divine yeah. Mercy Sunday. So. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We did not get enough time. We could, uh, I think we could talk about this for another 20 minutes because I have a whole list of questions that we barely made up. Exactly. <laughs> so, and that's a worthy topic. It is. It is. Thank you so much for coming, Allison. I so appreciate it. Every time. Yep. You can always find us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Rumble at SF Diocese. And of course, you'll always find us at online. Hope you have a beautiful Divine Mercy Sunday. That's it for us today. Join us again next week for more Catholic.